Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus this podcast is gold. Basketball gold. You're tuned into the best Cleveland Cavaliers podcast in all the land. Ba- basketball gold. Hosted by Mike Fratello and Jeff Phelps. Brought to you by Betway.com. Betway for the sport of it. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. My partner, Mike Fratello, former NBA head coach with the Atlanta Hawks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Memphis Grizzlies. And, of course, now color analyst with the Los Angeles Clippers and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm Jeff Phelps from 92 through the fan in Cleveland. Sir, we have a playoffs. We have a playoff matchup. Cavaliers against the New York Knicks, a four against a five. It's not like a one against an eight where there's a big favorite in the series, not even a two against a seven, even though those upsets can happen. This is a four and a five, Mike. This should be a heck of a series. This will test the mental toughness of the Cleveland Cavaliers because this New York team is very physical. They are well coached, just like the Cavaliers are. Uh, but they've been through, you have a couple of people with the Knicks that have been through a lot of battles and have been tested in big game situations. And this is a tough-minded team. They are uh, riding a, a wave right now of playing outstanding basketball since the trade deadline when they acquired Josh Hart. He was a huge addition to go along with the tremendous signing of uh, their free agent point guard, Jalen Brunson. And Julius Randle, who has played like a, a first-team All-NBA player the entire season, uh, hopefully, for the Knicks' sake, will be back and able to go come playoff time or for that uh, very severely sprained second degree sprain of his ankle. Uh, but 
It's a team that we've had a problem with, meaning the Cavaliers, during the course of the regular season. And it's because they have good players. They're well coached. They play hard. That's the reason why. That's why they're in number five right behind the Cavaliers in the standings. Let's keep talking about this matchup a little bit, Mike. In the regular season, played four times. Knicks won three out of the four games. Do regular season outcomes do anything come playoff time? Does it give one team a mindset over the other? Does it increase confidence? Does it hurt the confidence if you're the Cavaliers? Or does it just you just kind of draw the line like in bowling? We're moving forward from here, and none of that other stuff matters. Hopefully you've learned from what happened during the four games in the regular season. You know, all coaches, when games are done, they write up their games. They put them in a folder. And next time you come back to that team again, you have your notes in there telling you, this worked, this didn't work. Let's think about this next time. And now you've got an accumulation of four games during the regular season. They were scowl, you know, scour through their notes. Uh, I'm sure they've had someone following the Knicks for quite a while now, anticipating that they would be the matchup in the playoffs. So they should feel very comfortable with the tendency, the people who drives right, who drives left, who likes to stop and shoot jump shots, who's behind the three point line and on and on. And, uh, that will go into them, the Cavaliers, developing their game plan for the New York encounter. So, yeah, you should have taken something away from it, the experience of playing against the Knicks and a little bit of the familiarity with when you have to go to their court. Uh, but outside of that, the end results are regular season, and now you're in the playoffs, and things tend to change. Mike, there's, a, a I think, a really interesting subplot to this. And that is the Donovan Mitchell factor, New York guy. Rumors like crazy for the last couple of years that he would be a future New York Nick. Donovan becomes available in the trade market. Knicks don't get him. Cavaliers do. Could the Knicks have gotten him? Maybe, maybe not. Did the Cavaliers outbid them? Certainly, obviously, they, they ended up with the player that they wanted. But Donovan not being in New York, and then the Knicks going out and bringing in the gentleman you mentioned earlier, Jalen Brunson, who was great last year in the playoffs against Donovan Mitchell. And he's been phenomenal for New York this year, over, over 24 points a game. I, I think he's been absolutely everything the Knicks wanted him to be, and, and probably more, Mike. And that's going to be a great matchup and a really interesting subplot, I think, to this entire series. Well, as much as possible, they're going to keep Jalen Brunson off of Donovan Mitchell. The last thing New York needs to do is have Brunson wind up getting in foul trouble. And Donovan Mitchell is a little wider, a little thicker, uh, weighs a little bit more, and jumps quite a bit higher than Brunson does. Brunson, if they're telling the truth uh, on the height list, they have him listed at six foot three, and maybe he doesn't look six three because he's built pretty well, Brunson a left-hander, uh, but if I'm coaching the Knicks, I mean, I want to keep Brunson off of Mitchell as much as possible because Mitchell will put it on the floor, as we know. He will attack the rim. He will try to dunk on people, and if you foul him, last thing they can do is afford to have Brunson missing a lot of time during the game. So uh, I would think that Grimes will probably start out on him if they go with the same lineup that the Knicks have been playing over the last couple of weeks and start Grimes on him and go from there, rotate people in to play up against Donovan Mitchell. But you know, that's the great part about the playoffs and meeting each other in game one, that then the chess match begins. And 
you come out and you make your first move and then they counter to your first move and then you counter to their counter and you go on and play it out throughout the series. Some things you leave untouched, some things you know you planned the wrong way. This is not going to work. We should have done this. And you make that adjustment. You make that change. That's what making adjustments is all about. Mike, the, the one thing matchup-wise in this that I think is really intriguing, most nights the Cavaliers have an advantage in the backcourt. And with Mitchell and Garland and Karis LeVert coming off the bench and, and Ricky Rubio as well. I don't know, and, and tell me if you think they do. Do the Cavs have a big advantage in the backcourt over the Knicks? I, I think it's pretty even because with Brunson, you mentioned Grimes, who's been a terrific player for them, Emmanuel quickly, and then Josh Hart has been incredible for them. This seems, it seems like it neutralizes what's been a strength for the Cavaliers all year, and that's the backcourt matchup. Yes or no? Well, that's what they can do, the Knicks, and that is take Hart and put him on a guy like Donovan Mitchell uh, because he moves his feet well enough. He's smart enough defender. He's physical enough. You need somebody physical to play Donovan Mitchell if you want to get up into him and bother him and annoy him uh, to make his game uncomfortable. And the Knicks have that piece in Josh Hart. He also can play the small forward or play the power forward. Hmm. Uh, that's what Josh Hart is all about. He's an incredible competitor, tough as nails, and is more than willing to stick his nose there and try and shut somebody down. So that's a good thing about the pickup that they had there for the Knicks as far as getting Josh Hart away from the Trailblazers. Tom Thibodeau's a veteran coach, knows how to use his team. You mentioned J.B. Bickerstaff. Same thing. I think the matchup in this series is going to be kind of fascinating. Mitchell in the regular season in the four games against New York. And again, the Cavs lost three of those four games, but he averaged over 31 points a game, 31.8. And he had 7.5 assists per game, Mike, which was his most against any team that he played more than once. And he had nine, nine assists against Golden State. Other than that, most assists that he had against any team was against New York. Is it a, is that just something that's out there or did he, because the way he's played against New York has been even greater than he's played on the whole during the season. I would assume he's quite motivated being a New York guy, but motivation is one thing and then execution of the playoffs might be another. Well, what think about what they gave up first of all for Donovan Mitchell to get him to be a part of the Cavaliers organization. That's why you do something like that. Those people that were scratching their heads saying, is this guy really worth this much, giving up this much of perhaps the future? And I would say that after four straight 40 or more point games that he's just had, uh, you would have to say, yeah, he kind of like is worth that much. On the other hand, New York is probably saying whatever their game plan was, Mitchell getting his and shut other people out, perhaps he'll Mm -hmm. keep their point productivity down. It's been good enough, that game plan, for three wins out of four encounters. So I don't know how much they'll tinker with their game plan. Well, you can let one guy score 40 if you hold the other guys down. It's When he's scoring 40 and the other guys are getting 15 to 20 each, that's when you have a problem. So we'll see what uh, Thibodeau decides or how he's going to play the cards. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. He's Mike Fratello, color analyst for the Clippers and the Cleveland Cavaliers, and of course, former NBA coach with the Grizzlies, the Cavaliers, and the Hawks, working backward career-wise there. I'm Jeff Phelps from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Cavs against the Knicks, regular season. Cavs lost three out of four. Mike, we just mentioned Donovan Mitchell with some big games against the Knicks in the regular season, over 31 points, 31.8 to be exact, and seven and a half assists per game. You said focus maybe on the other guys, and if one guy goes off, that might not beat you. Maybe that's what they've done here. Darius Garland in three games against the Knicks, 19.3 points a game and six assists. And then Evan Mobley in four games, Mike, his fifth lowest scoring average against any team, 13.3 points a game. 7.8 rebounds. Jared Allen's been really good. He's played only two games, but he's averaged 15 and 12. How important is it if you're the Cavaliers to have the other guys step up? Or do you think, and we've seen it time and time again in the playoffs, and you you always think of Michael Jordan as this, and LeBron's always been stellar, and other absolute superstars. Can you rely on that guy to lead you and everybody else will just fill in the pieces? I think it's maybe the most interesting dynamic of the playoffs for the Cavaliers. Jeff, you said one word that I think is such an important word right there, and that's rely. And that's what happens when you get to the playoffs. Who can you count on? Who can you rely on to do the things that you need done under the pressure, under the scrutiny, uh, away from home as well as at home, with the pressure of NBA playoffs. And there there are not many people that will thrive when you get to those points. There are some that are made differently, and they continue to excel the way they did during a regular season. But so many others will wilt if it was up to them alone to carry a team. They couldn't do it come playoff time. They would eventually wilt and kind of fade away, and that's what happens. The tougher-minded teams – the physical teams that get after it, they kind of keep pounding away at those weaker teams, weaker-minded teams, and eventually in the end, the strong, as I say, the strong survive and move on. So we'll see now. We'll see if the uh, Cavs have learned any lessons from the three losses. They'll go back and think about, and I'm sure uh, in their meetings, JB will show clips of all the games, and I'm sure he'll show Hart on the floor diving for the ball, Mm -hmm in the last encounter at uh, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse uh, when Hart was all over the place, throwing his body around, taking charges, going after loose balls, 50-50 balls. Those small things make the difference in these kind of games. Mike, with with this matchup and with the Cavaliers, here they sit with home court advantage in the first round. And I think looking big picture, after being in the play-in tournament last year, and not getting out of the play-in tournament, losing twice. I think getting home court advantage in the first round, finishing in the top four, makes it a successful season with a very different team. And even though so many of the guys are back, you trade marketing. Sexton didn't play last year. 
but you bring in Mitchell, it changes the dynamic of the team completely. How successful of a season has it been so far? And can you just rule a season a success by where you finish in the regular season, Mike? Because, you know, play anything can happen in the playoffs. I, I think it's been a successful season. And now you get a four or five matchup that can go either way. I, I don't know if playoff success translates into, okay, it wasn't a successful season because we got knocked out in the first round. I, I don't think you go there. Do you? I think it's a successful season if you meet certain goals that you had put up in front of the team in the beginning and said, here's what we're striving for this year. Here's what we want to do. We want to make the playoffs, not the play in. We want to be in the playoffs. Then we'd like to, next goal, secure home court advantage. So we have, comes down to seven games. We get that last game in our building in the first round. Winning 50 games is always a milestone in the NBA. There are not many teams when this season is over and done. There will not be many teams out of the 30 that can say they've won 50 or more games as they right. go through it. That's why what the Bulls did, what Golden State did, getting into the 70s, hmm. I remember when that happened, coming back home and saying, in fact, I called one of my assistants up when I had heard uh, that the Bulls won their 72nd game, I guess it was, and I said to one of my assistants, imagine that he was only unhappy 10 nights during the regular season <laughs> while he was happy 72 times. And I was talking about that, obviously, Phil Jackson. And at that, at that point, Mike, Phil's looking for something to be mad about, though, isn't he? I'm sorry? At that point, doesn't Phil have to look for something to be mad about? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, coaches, coaches know the pain and suffering that they go through during the course of a season. The, yeah the heartbreaking losses, the nights where you feel you have no control out of the game, both good and bad. Uh, some nights guys just come out and they're, they're making every shot. It's everybody that's on the court and you're sitting there saying, hey, our offense looks pretty good tonight. We just scored 125 points. And then, you know, two nights later, you're scoring 79 points, losing by 25. And you're saying, what happened to that offense? But uh, that's the nature of the NBA game. So for coaches, uh, when you see somebody else win 72 or Steve Kerr 73, okay, he was only unhappy nine times during the regular <laughs> season at the, at the end of the evening. And you, you feel happy for them that they didn't go through quite as much pain and suffering. Uh, you poor guys. You have to deal with that all the time. That's that's tough. As you looked at the Cavs this year, Mike, there, there are a couple of things I think that really stood out. Obviously, it was let's start with Donovan Mitchell. Did you think that coming in, he would be this impactful? Because I mean, we all know he, how great he uh, of a great of a player he is. He's a terrific player. He showed that in Utah, but I, I don't know if folks knew he would be this impactful this early for this Cavalier team. Did it impress you, or did you expect it? This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Or if both. people haven't seen the Western Conference a lot, you you may have only gotten one glimpse of Donovan Mitchell, but, you know, I, 
had been blessed to, to also, besides doing Cavalier games, I was doing L.A. Clipper games. So I saw Utah quite a bit. Uh, you just have to think about it. How many guys are capable of getting 50 points in a playoff game and then do it more than just one time? Well, Donovan Mitchell's one of those people, and I'd seen him play with Utah, saw what a terrific talent he was. And the fact that he, you know, he was coming here to Cleveland to be part of his team that already had a terrific rookie in Mobley and uh, Darius Garland already made the all-star team and uh, Levert, uh, you know, one of the best six men you're going to find in the league if he's not starting for somebody else's team or if he's sure. not starting for the Cavaliers team getting 42 points against Boston back in the beginning of the season. Jared Allen, one of the best defensive centers in the NBA. Nice pieces to put Donovan Mitchell in the middle of and let him be the Look, let's face it, he's the alpha dog here, okay? they. Yeah. I, I would think the players would be the first to admit, like, yeah, we understand. This guy's fun to watch. He's a very, very assertive player on the floor, and he's a really good player, and he's he's not afraid to take a big shot in a big moment, and he gets big buckets for us. So he comes in and blends in with those other guys perfectly. Whatever J.B. Bickerstaff and the staff said, whatever Kobe Altman said when he did the deal and sat down with him and explained who we have here and what they're all about. It's like his personality, uh, what he's all about in competing fits right in with this group. So it's been a f- perfect blend so far in, in accomplishing goals that they set out to 50 wins, make the playoffs, have home court. Here we are. Now you kind of start over again from there using those things can you use them to your advantage to advance to the next round? Because when you get to the playoffs, you have to be greedy. It's not just getting there and you're satisfied. You get there and you have to be greedy now. You want to win and move on to the next round. Mike, I think one of the guys who, and, and though he gets credit for being a tremendous player, what I don't think he, he gets enough credit for, and it's Darius Garland, for the way that he welcomed Donovan Mitchell into this team and still managed to put up almost identical numbers. His assists are down just a touch, but he's got another guy who can pass the ball playing alongside of him now. He's been able to maintain his game while allowing his teammate to really thrive. And I think that's an art that that he's not getting enough credit for this year. There's always sacrifice involved on teams in a number of different ways. And, You know, what's interesting, uh, Jeff, in these four games that Mitchell has scored 40 points, his field goals made in those four games, 15, 15, 14, 15. And in three out of the four games, the field goals he attempted was either 23, 24, or 25. Only one of those games was he up in the 30s? I think it was 33 in the first game that he had 40 in, where he was like 15 for 33 or 15 for 34 in that game, which was uh, back um, well, probably a week ago, week and a half ago, uh, that he first got that first 40-point game. And it's kind of interesting to me. You have to score X number of field goals, but if the field goals aren't as high, then you've got to get to the foul line. And going into last night's game, he was averaging eight and a half free throws per game. 
and he went to the line, I think, nine times last night. So eight out of nine, I believe he made last night. So he's keeping that average free throw attempts right around eight and a half, nine per game in these 40-point games. And that's how he's putting it together. 15 field goals made, eight and a half, nine free throws made. You're in that 40-point category. This is Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. We're getting ready for the playoffs. Cavaliers, New York Knicks in the first round. Mike, of course, former NBA head coach with the Cavaliers, the Atlanta Hawks, the Memphis Grizzlies, and now color analyst with the Clippers and the Cavaliers. I'm Jeff Phelps from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Evan Mobley, Mike, as a 21-year-old, clearly has made some terrific strides this season. And if if you look at the splits between pre-All-Star and post-All-Star, you can see that in his scoring average. Last couple of months has really jumped. So he's obviously developed here. Next step in the development, I would assume, opportunity to play on a big stage. They don't get much bigger than Madison Square Garden in a playoff series. What can he expect out of a playoff series? And what does a young guy like Evan learn when he gets into the postseason? Well, as you know, he's a very astute player. He listens, studies hard, and... Uh, works on the things that the coaching staff has said to him. This is what you need to get better at. I've heard from more than just one of the people on the staff that he doesn't miss a day in the weight room. This guy is religious at building his body up, trying to get stronger, trying to add more power to his leg strength. Um, I watched one of those block shots that he had last night. I don't know if he could have stretched, and I mean stretched out, any further than he did ultimately at the top of his jump, putting that arm up, getting back a little bit and getting piece, a piece of the ball as it was released by the offensive player. And he maximizes the talent that he has, but he's very hungry to keep getting better and better. I thought his transition to the center position, the games that Allen was out and Mobley wound up going into the five spot. He handled beautifully. In fact, I, I thought he felt so comfortable in there mm. of footwork, being able to get a shot off against some centers who weighed more, bigger, wider, uh, more veteran than he was. Uh, yet he was right in there scoring his buckets with his jump hook or coming around with the left hand using that. And and then a couple of times outran people down the floor because of his athleticism to get easy buckets, turn and post up quick get a guard on his back. So he's he's really handled playing both positions well because in our particular system with our team the way it is, we're not a team that has our center outside shooting a lot of threes. Right. For example, uh, Vucevic from New Orleans, he goes out to the top of the circle and shoots threes, makes threes. Um, and uh, the, the center from Chicago – the center from New Orleans. Those are both centers that are out past the top of the circle oftentimes because they're very good three-point shooters. And I may have said Vucevic with the wrong team. And Valanchunas. Valanchunas with New Orleans and Vucevic with Chicago. Right. You got your V's, Mike. You just got your V's inverted. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) What does somebody say? If there's a Vich at the end, that means they're a really good shooter. There you go. It's all you need. But – our center doesn't do that. You know, as a power forward, Mobley sometimes has that responsibility of being on the wing by the three-point line in the corners or at the top of the circles, playing high-low with Allen down low and Mobley flashing high. So 
It's not an easy transition necessarily. You might be able to handle one spot better than the other. I thought Mowgli handled both really well. Mike, Evan's clearly a guy who has both an offensive and a defensive game. But here, as the season's gone on, you're starting to hear some rumblings about defensive player of the year talk and, and Evan's name being thrown into that. He's only 21. That's really early. You know, if, if something like that were to happen at this young of an age, that's outstanding. But as a coach, do you like him better as a defensive player or as an offensive player? Where do you think he has a higher ceiling and can most impact the game? As a coach, I kind of like him as a player that has my uniform name on the front of it. Okay. <laughs> that's all that matters. That's that's what matters to me because he's going to give you something at both ends of the floor. You know, I had a center in True Rollins who mm-hmm. was my captain and w- one of the greatest people and an incredible player and anchor for our team. But you weren't going to throw the ball to Tree and get 20 points out of him on a given night. He just wasn't going to take that many shots. You throw him the ball, he'd take a couple of bounces. If somebody came back a little bit to double, he'd pass it out willingly uh, to a perimeter guy to make shots or drive it to the basket. But he was an incredible screen setter. He's a double-digit rebounder. He was an incredible shot blocker and, you know, allowed our offense to function. And that was just the nature of who he was. And 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 you played that way. You know, people would say, well, you had, he had a mismatch. Why didn't you go to him more? You can't go to the guy more unless the guy wants to do that. And if he doesn't mm-hmm. want to do that, what well, good is it having a, a guy who's four inches shorter than him armed if you can't take advantage of it? So with a Mobley, okay, whether he's a defensive player where he has such an impact on the game, and all you have to look at, Who's the number one defensive team in the NBA? And I believe it's the Cavaliers. And what are they holding their opponents to field goal percentage-wise? And when you put all that together, there's somebody there, Allen, Mobley, whoever else is chipping in, that are changing, affecting, or blocking shots that are helping save buckets and allowing the Cavs to hold people to lower scores. So as a result of that, you know, in last night's game against Orlando, give up 29 points in the first quarter, I think it was 33-35 in the second and third quarters. And then when they needed it in the fourth quarter, they locked down and hold Orlando to 22 points to win the game. So that's what they're capable of. And the anchor of that is that Mobley-Allen combination up front is something to deal with. Jarrett's been really good against the Knicks in the two games he played against the New York Knicks. He was dealing with some injuries, but uh, that defensive combo is going to be terrific. So that's going to be a heck of a playoff series. You mentioned final two games. It's Orlando and then Charlotte for the Cavaliers at home. And the Orlando game, Mike, we've touched on this a little bit in the past, but we've seen it numerous times now. You saw it with the Clippers. We've seen it with the Cavaliers, I think, four times. The back-to-back games against the same team in the same city, a little baseball feel. Do you think that's something that's going to catch on in the NBA and and where it becomes a commonplace thing, more common than it is now? And is that a good thing if it does? Do you like the commissioner's office will really do a lot of investigating into this at the end of the year, meaning, you know, questioning, calling people up, having questionnaires out for the coaches, the front office people to see what their reaction to was, because it obviously saves wear and tear. You don't have to go back to that city another time during the season. You're there. You play two. You get it done. And like you said, it's a little bit of a baseball feel to it. Uh, The scouting on the second game, you should be pretty much on it. I'm not sure you have to prepare a whole other scouting report. You make your adjustments 
from game number one. The players should feel more comfortable. It may make game two that much harder to win because it gets very much like what happens in the playoffs. You just yeah. saw that same team last game. So you take away from them what you can. You do against them what you can and get away with. Uh, so I'm, I'd be kind of anxious to see how that poll turns out at the end of the year and what the comments are that are made on second games. Is How, how many of them wound up being a split this year? Uh, regardless of who wins the first one, does the other team win the second one? Is that kind of like what happens to the mentality of play? Okay, well, right. we got one at least. We got a split out of it. I'd be anxious to see the numbers on that when the time comes and they do that questioning. And, and I wonder, Mike, in, in the NBA on a given night, okay, well, we don't have fill in the blank tonight. But the next time we play the Knicks, we're going to have him. But if you get two games in a row and just say the Cavaliers don't have Donovan Mitchell, and that might have a bigger impact on standings. I'm just curious, and and as you talked about with the research with the commissioner, I think a lot's going to go into that. But that's the one aspect of it that I kind of wonder about because the NBA was always kind of free-flowing in that regard where you're not going to get killed against an individual team if you have a guy out with a a sprained ankle or something like that because, all right, you're going to see him again in a month. Well, now you might see him two times in three days, and I wonder if that impacts anything and if that factors into what the NBA is going to eventually do with this. I think it's an excellent point you make, that you could be missing your star, one of your stars, and because they're back-to-back or you know consecutive games against that team, uh, that you could be losing 25 to 30 points a game, not only one night, but both nights. But then isn't that a perfect time? to turn to the trainers and say, why didn't you have that guy ready for these games? You knew we needed him. We lost both of them. If you would have done a better job taping his ankles, he wouldn't have got hurt. There you go. There we go. Playoffs, get ready. Cavs, Knicks, first round. Sir, enjoy the postseason. Jeff, you didn't say anything about the czar hat. That's pretty fabulous. You probably couldn't read the top of it, huh? No, I saw the Z. I think that's – do you get residuals on that or does Marv? You know, Jeff, these these hats are so special that we haven't been able to determine a price on them yet. Uh, But I'm I'm waiting, waiting for people's opinions to come back. And then, you know, there's a little writing on the side here and a little writing on the side here and, you know, on the back and – Kind of a different looking kind of hat, not a typical baseball hat. Necessarily. Yeah, it, I, you know, I, I wouldn't know because, you know, I don't have one. John Vicari, our producer, would like one. So maybe we can go to our local sporting goods store and pick up the czar hat. I know everybody should. So there you if, go. If you go and find it, would you let everyone know? I will. Me where it is. <laughs> I will, actually. He's Mike Fratello. I'm Jeff Phelps. This has been Basketball Gold. Thanks for listening. This has been Basketball Gold, brought to you by Betway.com. Betway, for the sport of it. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER.